Well, on this holiday weekend, before we share the Lord's Supper together, um, I would like to continue on this morning in our ongoing study of the Gospel of John. And so I'd like you to turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We're looking at the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Last week we looked at the first five verses. This morning we're going to look at verses 6 through 10 of John chapter 17. Now last week we looked at the beginning of what has been called the greatest prayer ever prayed, or at least the greatest prayer that we've ever been exposed to, because it is God the Son praying to God the Father. And as he is at the Passover supper, which became the Lord's Supper, the Bible says in verse 1 that he lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he says, Father, the hour has come. As I shared with you last week, the hour has come, the hour that we have been waiting for all throughout the Gospel of John. It was the hour for Jesus to be crucified. It was time for his death and resurrection. Until this time, they could do nothing to him. We saw repeatedly in the Gospel of John, they could not arrest him, they could not touch him, because his hour had not yet come. But now it has. It is time. And Jesus says, Father, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. And we saw last week that perhaps the greatest display of the glory of God ever known, certainly we could say it that way, perhaps unlike any other, the glory of God was on display in the death and resurrection of Christ. In the death and resurrection of Christ, all of God's attributes are displayed. In the death and resurrection of Christ, all of God's attributes are displayed as Jesus comes to the cross and at the end says it is finished. He had fully completed, fully accomplished our salvation. So in John 17, 3, he prays, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So in those first five verses, Jesus is praying that the Father would glorify the Son, that the Son might glorify the Father. And then in verses 6 through 19, there's kind of a shift, and he prays for his disciples, and in essence, he is praying for us. And as we look at that this week and next week, this week, verses 6 through 10, next week, verses 11 through 19, we get this amazing insight into how Jesus prays for us. And so we read this morning in verses 6 through 10, Jesus prays, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. 
for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and, all, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Well, our first point this morning is a love gift. We don't often think of it this way. So this may be a little new to some of you. But every person who comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is a love gift from God the Father to God the Son. Every person who comes to know Christ as Savior is a love gift from God the Father to God the Son. God the Father somehow is so intimately involved in the salvation of every soul that comes to know Jesus. He is so involved that Jesus says, you gave them to me. They are your gift to me. The Father draws them to the Son, and in the Son they find salvation. We saw this in the Gospel of John. John 6:44. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. No one, Jesus says, can come to me unless the Father draws him. So every person that comes to Jesus, including you, you came because the Father drew you to the Son, and thus you became God's, God the Father's love gift to the Son. In verse 6, Jesus prays, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me. Manifested your name is an important phrase this morning. Manifested simply means to expose or to explain. Your name, and we know this, when we talk about the name of God, we are talking about all of the attributes of God, who God is and what he has accomplished. We pray in Jesus' name. And when we pray in Jesus' name, we are really saying according to all who Jesus is and all that Jesus has accomplished for us. It is the same here. He is saying, I have explained, I have exposed who God truly is. I have exposed your name to the people you gave me, which reminds us that Jesus is the explanation of God. To look at Jesus is to see God. He came to show us exactly who God is and to explain to us God's salvation plan. We think of John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. 
Philip said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Whoever has seen Jesus has seen God the Father. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people. They are the people that you gave me, that you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Kept your word as a synonym for believe. They have believed. These are the ones who believed everything I told them. They have believed in me, and thus they have believed in you. Which leads to our next thought this morning. The only way you will ever inherit eternal life, the only way you'll ever spend eternity in heaven, is when you agree that Jesus is God in human flesh, and everything he said, he said right out of the mind of God. You will never inherit eternal life. You will never spend eternity in heaven until you agree with all of your heart that Jesus is God. That he is fully God. That he is God in human flesh. And that everything he said, everything he did was directly from the Father, right out of the mind of God. Folks, this is the whole Gospel of John. That is a summation of the whole Gospel of John. Jesus has said over and over and over again, I came from the Father. I do only what the Father tells me to do. I say only what the Father tells me to say. I and the Father are one. And if someone is to be saved, if they are to believe in Christ's substitutionary sacrifice on the cross, they must believe that Jesus is God and that everything he said and everything he did, he did directly from the Father. The Father told him what to say. The Father told him what to do in the midst of the Trinity. Verse 7. Watch this. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. Now they know, those who have kept your word, they know that everything you have given me is from you. Verse 8, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Do you see that? What did they believe? They believed in the words you gave me, and they received them. They believed in them, and they have come to know the truth. They have come to know the truth. Here's the truth. I came from the Father, and they have believed that the Father sent me. The only way you'll ever spend e- the only way you'll ever inherit eternal life, the only way you'll ever spend eternity in heaven is when you agree that Jesus is God in human flesh. And everything he said, he said 
right out of the mind of God. Well, that leads to our second point this morning, praying for you. One of the greatest truths we learn from Jesus' high priestly prayer is that he constantly prays for you and for me. In verse 9, Jesus prays, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. If you remember nothing else when you leave this auditorium on this holiday weekend, if you remember nothing else, I want you to remember the, ver the first sentence of verse 9. I am praying for them. Jesus prays for you constantly. Jesus prays for you every day throughout the day. We don't often think of that, and we should. We should. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, it says this, Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He is able to save us completely. He is able to save us to the end. We've not only come to know him as Savior, but as a result of coming to know him as Savior, he prays for us. He intercedes for us. He always lives to make intercession for you. For you. Put your name there. It is for you. What does he pray for us? Well, we're going to look more at this next week. We're going to get some more insight into this next week. And at the end of this message, I'm going to share some specifics of what he prays for us. But I'm going to give you a big picture. Do you know what he prays for you? Do you know what he prays for me? He prays every day that you will totally trust him. That you will stop being self-sufficient. That you will stop being self-reliant and really trust him. He wants to empower you. He wants to guide you. And he is praying that you will let him do that in your life. You know what he's praying for you? He's praying John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, that passage that we, together as a church, are memorizing over the course of this summer. He is praying that you will abide in him. He is praying that you will abide in Christ. He is a praying, excuse me, he is praying that you will abide in Christ so that you will bear much fruit. He is praying that you will abide in Christ because apart from him, you can do nothing. He's praying for you. Now it says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now it's bothered some people that Jesus prays, I'm not praying for the world. When Jesus says he's not praying for the world, it doesn't mean he never prays for the world. It simply means he doesn't pray for the world in the way that he prays for you because they don't know him as Savior. He prays for your protection. We'll see that next week. He prays for your guidance. I mean, he prays that you will allow him to guide you. 
He prays that you will trust in him. He can't pray that for the world because they don't know him. But he does pray for the world. We'll see that in two weeks because we know he prays for those who are yet to come to him but haven't yet. He prays that they'll repent and be saved. He prays. Second Peter 3, 9. It is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He prays for them, but not in the same way that he prays for you. So in verse 10, Jesus prays, and this is quite a summary statement. He says, all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. All my disciples are yours, Father, and all your disciples, Father, are mine. And I am glorified in them. How is Jesus glorified in us? It's all summed up in salvation. He is glorified in you when you come to know him as Savior. And you praise him. And you worship him. And you live for him. He is glorified in you. When you share the good news of the gospel with others and they come to know Christ as Savior and they praise him and they worship him and they live for him. He is glorified in you when you take his commands seriously to take the gospel to the nations, to take the gospel to every people group. And when those people and those unreached people groups come to know Jesus as Savior, they become his worshipers and they worship him and they praise him and they live for him and Jesus is glorified. All mine are yours, Father. All yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Well, I want to come back to that first sentence of verse 9. I am praying for them. And for this morning, I want you to change that little word, them, to you. I am praying for you. I want us to think carefully about the glorious truth that Jesus is always praying for us. I don't know about you, we think of all the benefits of our salvation. As I mentioned earlier, we need to think more about this one. Jesus prays for you, for you, at the right hand of God the Father. He is your faithful high priest. He prays for your fears. He prays for your helplessness. He prays for your weaknesses. He prays for you when your heart wanders away from him. Whatever it is, he prays for you. That's his ministry on our behalf, his great ministry. He knows your limitations. He knows when you're weak. He knows, yes, he knows when you've been hurt. He knows all of your needs. And I want every one of us to believe this. Jesus cares for you. Every day he prays for you and every day he cares for you.
there is nothing too difficult for him. There is total victory for you in his strength. There is total victory for you in his strength. He is a loving, compassionate Savior who has the power for any problem. And he is always praying for you. We're going to share communion in just a few minutes. At the end of the service, we're going to sing that song before the throne of God above. It fits perfectly with this message, as I've shared with you before. That doesn't always happen. There's not always a song that fits perfectly with a message, but this one does. It was written for this section of Scripture. And in that first verse, it says, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. Before the throne of God above, you have a great high priest whoever lives and pleads for you. We're going to share the Lord's Supper together this morning. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to give you just a brief instruction. One of our men will pray for the bread and the cup. And then our deacons will hand out the bread and the cup together. And when everyone has been served, then I will read a passage of scripture and we will eat and drink together. If you are watching by live stream this morning, while the deacons are serving communion, we encourage you to use this as an important time of meditation and reflection. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.